maybe this isn't the case for this particular solution, but what I feel like I see often is a solution be created for kind of one specific use case, and then it goes to to market and it's kind of like, no, we could do everything for everybody. But it, it started to satisfy one relatively small company that has kind of grown over the over the course of time, and then they start to push it out to the market. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. The debate between what's an add-on versus what's an ERP is not new. The add-ons will never have the traceability requirements that regulated industries such as med device and pharma require. But unfortunately, due to the limited technical background of auditors, they can't distinguish whether a record is traceable inside the system or would it require manual steps to establish the linking. Also, because of the fragile integration between QuickBooks and Sage 50, there are likely to be significant data integrity issues. Most QuickBooks add-ons suffer from the same problems, but they all have a tendency to call them an ERP. So where does Q29 stand? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Q29 ERP capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their strengths with document management and quality workflow processes, including how it compares with other life sciences-centric ERP systems such as DCOM, BlueLink, and SageX3. We also covered the weaknesses with their data model and how it will suffer from the same traceability issues as other QuickBooks add-ons such as Katana MRP. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this part of our industry for which we meet every Tuesday at uh, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. And for today, we have a very interesting solution. It's QT9. Not sure how many people uh, may have heard about this solution, but there are a lot of different ERP systems. Obviously, this is one of them. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with uh, my intro, if you don't know me, Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Andy first today uh, because I don't have this ticker and I'm actually going to work on the ticker by the time Andy introduces. Uh, okay, go ahead, Andy. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. My name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved in ERP software than longer than either of these two gentlemen have been live. And I've worked all over North America, specifically with manufacturing companies, by the way. And I also have a published book 
on how to evaluate ERP software. And thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And um, no ERP implementations can be done without any mistakes. So for today, I have done my fair share, but I could fix it soon. So Dave, over to you. Thanks, Sam. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in manufacturing and distribution spaces, helping them to uh, systemize their business and improve processes. I've come to you with more than 20 years of various operational leadership roles, uh, which included uh, several ERP implementations. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. We missed you in last of a couple of shows, I guess. Uh, you were out for the spring break, so welcome back. Thanks. Of course. And uh, if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. We really try to cover them during the show. If we run out of time, we will make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, guys, I am going to start with the quick commentary um, on the solution, and then um, we will start on the slide. And Andy, I know you have a little background in this one, so I don't know if you want to touch on um, this a little bit in terms of what your background was. Do you want me to cover the, the solution first, or do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, no, you go ahead, Sam. I mean, I, I, like I said, I did come across this product just recently, and I do have a little bit of insight, but you go ahead. Yeah, so this is a very similar solution, and I don't know how to position this, but they are going to be primarily in that QuickBooks sort of segment where they are calling themselves as an ERP. The way their data model is going to be is going to be very similar to how other QuickBooks add-ons are created. Obviously, everybody is going to name them as ERP because you know that is the easiest thing to learn. Anybody can learn ERP and call themselves ERP. Right? I'm not going to buy it if it's not called an ERP, Sam. <laughs> exactly. I don't care exactly. what it does as long as it's called <laughs> an ERP. ERP, I'm buying that, right, Andy? That's right. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So in this case also, obviously, they are called ERP. And by the way, the most interesting thing about ERP in general, when you look at slightly bigger ERP systems, the way they start, if you are really talking about some of the horizontal sort of solutions, right, they start in targeting the smaller patches, okay? So if you look at some of the mainstream ERP systems, I think we discussed this point before as well. Acumatica, Sage Tech, NetSuite, if you look at the newer systems, the cloud-native ones, obviously the older ones have started the similar way as well. Typically, in the traditionally traditional world, ERP did mean sort of the accounting system, okay? But ERP system sort of grew <laughs> after they had that finance and account foundation. That's how most ERP systems started. Some ERP systems started as the MRP system, and they developed the MRP, not MRP, accounting functionality later on, which was tightly embedded. And then tightly. they called that MRP too. Um, well, so MRP, I'm talking about the real ERP, ERP, MRP yeah. too. I don't know how much real embeddedness they well, had. Well, really what it was is that back, back in the early days, and we're talking about the 60s and the 70s, there was just MRP engines and that's it. You needed a room, you're the size of a room to run that MRP calculation. In the 1970s and 80s, they came out with this thing they called MRP2, which included functionality such as financials and APS, advanced planning and scheduling capabilities. And then in the 90s is when they changed the acronym to the ERP, and that's what everyone calls it today. But as you're pointing out, Sam, every software, just accounting systems call themselves ERP today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the best way to sort of understand 
the embeddedness of the data model and the nastiness of the data model. Like, I don't know if nastiness is the right term, but the way <laughs> I like to define this as, you know, I want to take you guys to a washroom, okay? And you are looking at this bunch of hairs, you know, embedded together. That's how tight the data model is to be uh, of the ERP system. If you look at 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, during those days, we didn't have as much processing power to no. have that tightly connected data model. That's why they had to separate it out. Uh, okay, even today, if you go to Fortune 50, Fortune 100, they don't have the ERP system that can process the workload of those Fortune 500 organization. And that's why they have to create the best of breed architecture where they are literally separating the the, the processes um, so that they can perform the workload, the kind of transactions and the kind of depth it is going to require. So again, here is probably the, the best example I could provide that. Uh, that's how tight the data model is. It, that's how nasty the data model is in general. But overall, if you look at these ERP systems, the way they do is, uh, you know, obviously they are going to have a lot of things from the operational perspective, but they are not going to have that GL embeddedness. When you look at the GL mapping to your, your payment term or to your bank account, to your customer, and when you don't have that, then you don't have the tight affiliation of your, uh, you know, the GL business rules, the way your transactions are going to be posted in your accounting system. And by the way, it's not just the accounting system. That is a, a sort of a concern here. You are sort of looking for that financial insight. The more embedded your GLs are going to be, the more traceability you are going to get in terms of finding the real financial insights and the financial control that you are going to get. But most of these smaller systems, even if they map a GL code, sometimes customers are going to say, you know what, I have GL code at the customer level. I have GL code at the item level. I have GL code at the bomb level. So why is Enforce so different? Why is SAP so different? Okay, there you are looking at the hierarchy of 500 different business codes at each of the customer and customer class level. That's how deep it gets. And by the way, it's not just the one-to-one -one mapping of your uh, customer to GL code. It's going to be the, the business rules, the business hierarchy. And that actually drives how efficient your data entry is going to be. And that data entry is the operational efficiency. And that's what these smaller ERP systems typically miss. So in the case of QT9, obviously, when you look at it from the functional perspective, okay, they are probably going to have every single piece of functionality on the face of this earth, okay? Because they are targeting life sciences vertical, okay? For life sciences, you are probably gonna need pretty much everything, okay? But obviously they are not gonna have the same traceability, same data entry efficiency that the larger ERP systems are going to have. So we are going to touch on all of that, but you know, in general, in the QuickBooks segment, um, your items are probably not going to be modeled. I think these guys have some modeling, but it's very, very, very lean. The way their items are designed, the way their bombs are designed, they are not going to have the same traceability that you are going to be uh, going to get from the larger ERP systems. And when I look at the traceability, meaning each of the document as it moves through your business processes are going to have its own life cycle. It's going to have its own state. That's the real difference. Sometimes the smaller ERP systems, what they are going to do is they are going to combine two different states and, you know, and they are not going to have two separate documents for these process tests. And that's why they are not going to have as much traceability. Uh, I know it gets very, very, very complex to understand. Uh, how the hell? <laughs> well, I mean, just look at the screen you have in front of you, Sam, the bottom right hand corner. I mean, for most people looking for an ERP, they would scan the screen and say, yeah, it does everything I need. Exactly. But this is not everything. Look at that. Everything. 
that's not how ERP systems are supposed to work. I mean, if you're looking at only the functional checklist, functional checklist, you can never compare um, yeah. the ERP systems because they all are going to look alike. And, and well, the, the problem with a true ERP, it wouldn't be a list of 30 things like this. It would be a list of 3,000 or 30,000 or 300,000. And it just gets to be too huge, right? But but on the surface, the tip of the iceberg, this list looks like it's all inclusive. Exactly. And once you get into those nuanced scenario, and in my mind, I always look for those one-to-one scenarios. Uh, you know, the traceability when you are look, going to look at at the one-to-one level. And that's where your operational efficiency is. When you talk about the operational efficiency, the whole idea is how can you decouple these process steps? How can you analyze them separately? And how can you make those individual steps independently? That's the whole idea. And maybe Dave, uh, you want to touch about that a little bit, you know, uh, as you grow, how the operational complexity increases of each of these steps. And they all have their sort of life cycle in terms of the way they move, they require their own sort of skill set. If you are going to have expertise for each of these steps, that's when you are going to gain a lot of operational. If you are going to simply, uh, you know, put everything together, I think, and I don't know if this is coming from Lean. I think Lean had uh, a lot of different concepts about segmenting the steps, if I remember correctly. Dave, I mean, if you want to touch on that. Are you talking about the process steps there, Sam, or... Yeah, overall separation of responsibility and optimizing them in isolation. Uh, and I don't remember the name of the guy who actually invented this. Uh, we were just talking about him the other day. He actually invented the whole concept of division of labor, the way the labor is supposed to be. And in that, in the manufacturing organization, he talks about that, okay, you need to segment the division of labor. And if one guy is going to do pretty much everything on the manufacturing floor, you are never going to get the operational efficiency. Um, So that's why you need to segment these process steps, optimize for the uniqueness of that step, hire the right skill, train only for that particular step. And I think they talk about this in, in the Japanese culture. You know, they only do this one thing, one thing, uh, you know, at a time uh, in one operational step. And they don't like to worry about any the way their processes are designed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of that process breakdown uh, thought process. And you're right on with that. And, you know, I think that's where some of the small, to your point, some of the smaller systems, you know, it appeals to so many because so, kind of to the masses, because uh, typically in smaller companies, you've got, multi, you know, so, You've got fewer people doing multiple multiple process steps, multiple processes. They can be working multiple departments uh, where you just don't have that hierarchy in place. So you look at a, a system like this, and Andy, even to your point about, you know, well, it looks like it checks all the boxes, uh, you know, from that standpoint. And that appeals, like I said, uh, in my opinion, to uh, more of the masses because that is a larger segment of the of the market. And they already know that they've got people doing multiple things. Uh, and therefore, you know, it kind of seems like, oh, this will be easy to uh, bring in and kind of tackle from an implementation standpoint, how we probably can just, you know, hammer this out ourselves. It already integrates with, you know, some of our existing technology, those types of things. Uh, And the reality of it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, what what you guys already said, you know, the reality of it is there's there's a big trade-off for that. So if you're looking for a system that can, you know, satisfy you five years from now, uh, you know, when you've had, you know, 10x growth, well, you're probably going to be doing at least one more implementation, you know, versus growing into things. So it's um, 
it is interesting though uh you know to see more and more of these types of solutions come up it it makes me think uh you know and i know we've seen this with some other solutions it it, it makes you think you know this started as and i don't know uh the background of this particular solution i'm not familiar with it so maybe this isn't the case for this particular solution but what i feel like i see often is a solution be created for kind of one specific use case and then it goes to to market and it's kind of like no we could do everything for everybody uh, but it, it started to satisfy one relatively small company that has kind of grown over the over the course of time uh, and then they start to push it out to the market and you know find that hey we need to market this thing to the masses before uh, we consider ourselves a, an ERP platform yeah could not agree more great points I guess business model is definitely a, a very critical point that you mentioned Dave there and uh, yes with these solutions they are going to be flavored for a very specific industry and if you are going to have multiple business models as part of your processes then you are probably going to quickly outgrow that so that's another point that you need to keep in mind so good one there so if you guys don't have any other comments i'll move forward with these slides um mm -hmm. so here obviously they are trying to target the life sciences that's how they started now in the life sciences also there are going to be many different solutions to be honest okay for example the comparable here is probably going to be Blue Link ERP, we have already reviewed that. And by the way, I mean, Blue Link ERP, the way it was designed, even though it's a very legacy technology, if you look at their screens, and I think that's what we had said um, during our review, that, that that's going to be a legacy technology. It's not a new technology, even though obviously they have somehow figured out how to sort of port that over cloud. So they have that as well. But overall, from the data model, as well as from the traceability perspective, it was a very sound, uh, okay? But you are not going to see the same thing here. Uh, if you look at the other comparable system in this particular space, especially if you are talking about the QuickBooks segment, which is targeted for life sciences, then the other systems are going to be DCOM, okay? DCOM is another system which is going to be comparable to this one, which is slightly smaller. It's not as big as your uh, Infor Epicore. So for DCOM as well, the way their data model works, the way their development was, it was very sound. It's not really designed for those multi-entity workload, even though they are going to claim that I am also designed for multi-entity, but the way their multi-entity functionality was, it's just a hack. Uh, it's not a real, real multi-entity functionality. But if you look at their data model, especially from the pharma workload perspective, they had decent capability. Uh, they had complete traceability that you are not going to find in this particular solution and that's what we are going to touch when we review the specific screens the specific data fields where they are going to run into challenges uh, this is going to be slightly similar to katana and dave i believe you missed that uh, katana mrp even though even they, they are calling themselves as uh, erp but they had real issue overall the way their data was embedded as part of their mrp so they had the items model but it was a very lean data model overall um, the way their data was modeled so obviously you are not going to have all those nine layers of costing okay even if you can get one layer that's probably a lot Jana <laughs> makes a really good japanese sword though uh, <laughs> how many layers do you need in the japanese sword uh, well, they're gonna be at least 100 it's, it's... Uh, at least 100 right <laughs> yeah and that's how those ERP systems are, to be honest, okay? They are really welded together. <laughs> <laughs> At least 100 layers that nobody can understand. You learn all about it. <laughs> <laughs> good joke, Andy, good joke. So here, uh, moving right along, so here they are saying manufacturing, sales, inventory, purchase, finance, financial management, 
functions with QT9 ERP. And again, everybody is going to have very, very, very similar, uh, you know, vernacular or the language. Uh, so it becomes very confusing for your customers. Uh, here, now they are talking about some very heavy hitter pieces of functionality, which is going to through your audit. Okay. They are talking about design history record. Okay. This is a serious stuff, guys. Okay. And by the way, I have to commend these guys. These guys started, and I believe they started as uh, the documentation management system. Now, oh. documentation management system is a very different piece of functionality, quality management system. And Dave, you are going to love this. The way their quality module is designed. In fact, if you look at the the their reviews as of today, uh, the majority of them are really because of their quality management solution. In fact, they have sold their quality management solution to very, very, very large accounts. So I'm pretty awesome. sure they are probably selling their quality management module as of today separately than their ERP. And then they probably thought that, okay, I'm selling quality management. Now let's create an ERP as well. So yeah. maybe that's how they grew. <laughs> it's the next logical step. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's probably how they started. So they are really strong at the quality management piece of the functionality that does not require the same embedding of your finance capabilities that you are going to need in the core transactional, core operational, core ERP capability. So that's where the real depth. And we'll talk about some of the workflows. Some of these workflows that you are going to find in your QT9 solution, it will be very hard to implement those even in the ERP systems that are going to be designed for manufacturing. Can you believe this? Okay. So you are going to buy Epicors of the world and force of the world, and then you are going to be expecting that. Okay, I am looking for this specific document management workflow that those systems don't do, but my QT9 is able to support that. So now you are probably going to conclude that, you know what, QT9 is probably a superior system. That's not true at all. Okay. <laughs> they are able to support that specific technical workflow of the quality management that's much easier to implement than your financial workflow. And that is the reason why they are able to do that. We'll touch on that when we review the screen. Uh, but I just wanted you guys to remember that point. Um, so here we are talking about design history record, electronic batch records for life sciences. Now, we are talking about some really big things, okay? And by the way, MEG, these guys actually go through audit as well. And audit and companies are able to pass the audit and we have seen this as well. In general, the auditors, they are not going to have as much technical background. The way they are, <laughs> they are doing the audit, they are doing the audit the way a customer is going to buy an ERP system by looking at a bunch of functional checklists. The question is, <laughs> I don't know, uh, you know, uh, whether anybody should be questioning the quality of these audits. But in general, these guys don't really understand the technicalities of the system. And they don't really understand how traceable the system really is. If they had the technical background, then they would be uh, able to know. But in general, what uh, typically they do is, depending upon how fast can you produce the report, <laughs> okay, that is going to be their red flag. That's how they approve the audit. Okay, So if you are able to sort of get the report, in this case, obviously, you are going to be putting a lot of manual effort for the audit to establish all of those traceability. And we are going to review that in the comments as well, that some users reported how much work they need to put in for those audits. But again, you will pass the audit because the auditors don't really have as much information about these systems and that's why they are able to approve that. So here, a couple of points to note overall, we are talking about the QuickBooks integration, we are talking about Stage 50 integration. So this is one way of validating 
which ecosystem they are hanging out. So obviously, they are sort of the add-on for the QuickBooks. And Sage 50, they are not part of any of the mainstream um, ERP system. So that's your validation that they are really an add-on. It's not a real ERP system. Well, it'd be interesting to know their demographics. Like you say, it says QuickBooks and Sage 50 integration, but it also includes its own accounting system. So I wonder how many of their customers use their internal one versus just an add-on to the small accounting system. And even if they had the internal accounting platform, Andy, it does not mean that it is tightly embedded and tightly integrated. And tightly could mean a lot of different things. Okay. Some people might like to sell tightly meaning one field integration. (laughs) Or you have the real parent-child hierarchy very deeply embedded. So again, when salespeople talk, that's a different thing versus how implementation is going. So here, even if they have their accounting system, it doesn't mean that they have the real ERP capabilities. Uh, The real ERP capabilities is going to be in providing those layers, the business rules, the nine layers of costing or maybe 18 layers of costing, you know, that's where you get the traceability. That's where you get the data entry efficiency that you are not going to get here. Um, so here, let's move on. So now this is coming and I always like to call out any sort of public uh, statement, uh, whether you can trust those websites or not. So here we have our friends at um, Technology Evaluation Center, <laughs> uh, also called Tech. And they have compared, and this is the statement coming from their website, and they are saying the comparison for QT9 is um, Acnew, Acumatica, as well as Sage X3. Now, Sage X3 <laughs> is a very, very, very large and complex system. Okay, It is not supposed to be comparable for this one. Uh, if they had said, let's say, Gcom, that would be the comparable for this one. Um, even Acumatica has a lot of layers. Um, even Acumatica has a lot of different layers that the system is not going to have. So I don't think it is a fair comparison, but maybe they are competing with the uh, companies when they are uh, going into the deals. And that's the reason why tech has listed them as, as their competitor. But their right competitors, in my mind, is going to be... Uh, if you look at the life sciences, then Blue Link ERP is probably the right comparison. Again, Blue Link ERP had far deeper data integrity, uh, you know, tight integration of the data sets, even though the technology may be slightly legacy, but it had all the bells and whistles that a medical device company or a pharma company. Should. Well, you know, from a very high level, I mean, Acumatica, I'm told, does a pretty good job regarding process manufacturing, which kind of blends itself to the life sciences. And Sage X3 has always been targeted at that marketplace, but I don't think they're talking about size of company. I think they're talking about specifically the industry they're targeting. So again, when you say comparison, how the customers are going to read. So they are going to read it. I get it. (laughs) I get it. Right. So, um, and by the way, just on that comment that Acumatica does not really have the native process manufacturing functionality. They use an add-on. It's not necessarily targeted for process manufacturing. Isn't it the same people who made Batchmaster, though, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so they own the add-on. So it's not Acumatica owned as such. Oh, Obviously, Acumatica, yeah, Acumatica has a very vibrant market. Uh, I mean, they Acumatica would require an add-on if they want to uh, sell it into the process manufacturing space. Uh, the Acumatica native bombs will not be able to support the formulation. The quality processes, uh, you know, Acumatica does not have all of that natively. Mm. Uh, it's just that you are going to require add-ons, uh, which is not a bad thing always, you know. Not uh, always. Sometimes yeah. it can be. Sometimes yeah. it works great. Yeah. 
depending upon the quality of add-on, depending upon how tight the integration quality is. Quality integration. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so now this is where the rubber meets the road, okay? So let's talk about traceability. Uh, and especially when you look at these systems, and this is where the comparison needs to be, the way you should be evaluating the ERP system. So for example, let's say if you look, pay attention to how their job names are named, okay? So you would notice that they have the SO number, they have the customer PO number, they have the part numbers in the name. And that's a huge red flag. And the reason why these guys are doing that, to be honest, I mean, the problem is not necessarily with the platform itself. The kind of customers that are going to be there in that this space, they don't necessarily understand how to model their document, how to model the traceability, how to model their items, how to model their bonds, okay? So for them, if they are going to be implement, going to be implementing Acumatica or N4, it's going to be humongous learning curve. Okay, so they prefer a system that is going to be Excel sheet-like, and that's where these systems do a wonderful job in sitting on top of QuickBooks, where you don't have to model your items, you don't have to model your jobs. I mean, you are never going to get your job costing right. <laughs> okay, but that's okay because you don't have the implementation dollars for the system you don't you cannot afford the consultants or the cfos or the controller or the operations manager as of today so this is a great solution for you until you reach to a point where you are going to care for the real traceability <laughs> okay this is obviously not traceable because what you are doing is you are tracing based on a text string can you believe this <laughs> okay based on a which sir text string so they are literally parsing a lot of this information from the text and this is how a lot of customers that are going to be in the quickbooks space manage their operations the way they are going to do it is they are going to have a lot of things in the description pay attention to the description guys okay if they have 50 different fields mapped <laughs> as part of the string that means they are struggling with traceability they don't have real data modeling behind the erp system they have to put a lot of intelligence in the text field to enable reporting to enable traceability that's the reason why these guys are doing that so this is where you can identify how weak the modeling is going to be in the system so this system is not necessarily traceable but auditors they don't really have technical background to figure this out <laughs> interesting comment because if you look at the job name it says franklin part and then customer sales order number 40 cost bill of material cost part etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's it must be an intelligent part number of some level right sure even intelligent could be degree of intelligence i guess <laughs> Sure. No, I understand. But but a person using this would look at that that job name and know what it is. Well, so they are making a lot of decisions based on the tax that they have at the job name level. Because mm. the uh, sales order is not necessarily linked to your PO. The PO may not be linked to your part. Part may not be linked to your job. So, you know, you are going to have a lot of challenges from the traceability. I mean, they'll be able to do the job. Everybody is doing job somehow. <laughs> okay. But the question is, how much you are doing it in, in the spreadsheet and how much the system is doing it for yourself and that's where your financial control is going to be that's where your traceability is going to be that's where your how much data entry is going to be required how much admin effort is going to be required and are you getting the real business value from this that's the question here and by the way i mean you will also see duplication so for example you have the job number you have the part number you have the job name. typically i would not see these three things at the same time 
on the same sort of field because once you have one, then you would be able to figure out the other. But here we have multiple fields. Again, it could be the layout, but these are some of the red flags that you should be paying attention to. You should be digging more. If you are not able to see a real screen for the item and item linking to your job and job has different versions, that means they don't really have the. You should also be paying attention to the business objects and the data model. How is the data model designed? Okay, data model is where the truth is with ERV systems. Data model drives everything. Data model drives how efficient your operations are going to be, how much over engineering you are going to require from the ERP perspective. Okay, what value you are going to get from your ERP system. Data model is where the truth is with ERP. Um, so here, uh, I think we spoke about the job name. Um, okay. Now, you are going to have some very interesting things here, okay? So this is their bill of material. Uh, now, you can only find out so many different things. Uh, when you look at the bill of material of different systems, they will appear alike, okay? So it's very hard to figure out, okay, which system is going to be better at bill of material. So here, you are the model is going to be very lean. So the only thing you are looking at is the setup time, cycle time. You don't even have run time. Typically, you would require that. Uh, the larger ERP system are going to have at least 20 different layers of different times you can report. How you can report the time. The more you are going to grow your operations, you are going to need these things when you are going to have, let's say, the multiple operators operating on a machine, a machine doing multiple jobs. That's when your reporting is going to be really handy in having all of those layers. But pay attention to the text that they need to mention. So here they are providing the instructions. You need to add 20 five milliliter of the solution and a five milligram of this powder mix for 20 minutes. Okay, the reason why they have to do this is because they cannot model this process as part of the data model. When they cannot do that, you cannot build the quality step because this is text. You cannot do anything. This is not intelligent. Okay, so that's where the, the, the lean part of the data model is. So pay attention to how they are capturing their data elements and how much text is being captured and what is being captured inside the text, how their unit of measures are being captured and what is captured inside that. So pay attention to all of them. But overall, if you look at their bombs, they are going to be really mean. Any comments, guys? I, you know, Sam, it's interesting. I completely agree with where you're going with this. So the one thing that jumped into my mind is, you know, if, if they have such a... Um, a complex quality module i'm really kind of surprised to see that the the kind of closed loop that you would necessarily expect i mean i kind of get it from a, a, a size of system perspective right in the data modeling that you already mentioned but if they have a, a, a pretty well thought out quality module, it is kind of surprising that some of the loops like this, you know, like like the um, the information from a, a, a material and routing standpoint, wouldn't <laughs> that there wouldn't be more tightly uh, that it wouldn't be more tightly controlled or more have more flexibility in terms of you know inputs and that things would be relying on you know text input to. Um, you know, to transfer this uh, this information per job. So it's just kind of interesting to me that if the, you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't fit, right? Like that's what I'm struggling with. It doesn't fit, so. Exactly, and the kind of mindset these organizations are going to take, and Dave, you have been there. Uh, you have probably uh, been part of a lot of different audits uh, from the quality perspective. And you know how audits work, right? You are only preparing for the questions that are going to be part of the exam. 
that's how audits work <laughs> okay yeah so <laughs> so you are trying to showcase what the auditors are going to care for and typically they are looking at the document management just how well maintained your document system is because an average quality auditor they are not going to have as much background in the data correlations how the data is being published in your documentation system so that's where the real gap is so obviously when you look at the documentation management system it's going to look so fancy and they are going to approve it <laughs> got it yeah um, i i agree with that i mean and, and you see it in all types of uh audits to your point i mean even outside of you know typical quality audits i was working with a company not too long ago and uh, they were due for an audit for one of their certifications and I, I was pretty blown away to see that they they got glowing reviews on their last audit, uh, even though when you start to dig into the actual documentation, there's, you know, every section was accounted for. But when you dig into uh, the process behind it, the the actual under to your point, the actual underlying information. I mean, it was non-existent and, and, and it didn't take a, you know, a real bright person like uh, IE, I was able to figure it out. So, you know, it's just, it's incredible though, to your point where you're paying, you know, in some cases, a significant amount of money to have these different types of audits performed, whether they're internal or external. And uh, people are literally just kind of checking the box and, and it being very surface level. So, you know, if you're a company out there that's evaluating these types of things, these are the types of questions uh, and considerations you should be making for sure. Yeah. And guys, I want to highlight one point. I mean, when you prepare for an exam, an audit is an exam. An exam is supposed to teach you these skills. Okay. If you learn these skills, then obviously you'll go along. But if your goal is just to hack the exam, I don't know how long <laughs> you are going to go. Okay, so always understand the intent of the exam, what exam, even if you don't do well in the exam, but you have figured out the intent behind the exam and you have incorporated that as part of your process. That's where you are going to become really efficient because the whole goal of audit is to make you operationally efficient, to avoid any sort of uh, legal risk or the financial risk or the operational risk or the safety risk for your company that's what they are trying to prevent but if you are just you know checking a tick mark i guess for the audit then okay good luck with that <laughs> okay here by the way you don't want me to be performing your audit uh, i don't know if i'm qualified for that or not uh, <laughs> so here we have the item name and item name you can see some of the text here so now they have embedded the intelligence as part of the text again because they don't have that you unit of measure modeling as part of the data model when you are not going to have that your inventory is going to be all over the place so they don't really have the real traceability as part of the solution built but they are selling in the medical device and, and pharmas which is just mind-blowing okay now when you look at the real document workflow and the engineering change notification and when you look at the the requirements for the audit to be honest okay you are going to see these things very well spelled out how the engineering change process needs to be modeled as part of your organization they are literally going to have this step that as part of your ecn you should be able to create a request a request should go to an approver a approver must be approving so you are doing everything procedural <laughs> but you are not going after the intent of the audit so that's why the, the, the whole ECN process is probably superior than your SAP, to be honest. <laughs> okay, the way it is modeled. So here you are going to have the ECN request, and this is probably the best workflow that I have seen 
from the ECN perspective, and ECN creates a document, is one of the best uh, quality system that I've seen um, so far. And, you know, the, the, the document request is going to be the child of the ECN. So each ECN is going to have a document workflow that it needs to go through. So you have the whole e-signature hierarchy that they are trying to mandate because they need to make sure that the person who is actually signing is being accountable for that specific process. That's how deep it gets in the pharma and med device space. Even if you are, let's say, printing a PowerPoint, that is also controlled, can you believe <laughs> So they have all of this, and, and everything is so serious in, in medical device space. Uh, but for some reason, companies are not paying attention to how the data model is designed. Um, so here are some of the reviews. So here we have the reviews coming from the medical device company, 11 to 50 employees. Jennifer uh, is the reviewer. So here, the, Jennifer is saying, Jennifer would benefit from improving is the ability to create both corrective action and non-conformance uh, records from a customer complaint. So even the customer complaint itself has a workflow. Uh, it can, you, customer reps typically create a lot of different records as part of your customer complaint. If you are going to look at, you know, even Acumatica or Infor, there are going to be at least 10 different objects that you can create. And she is talking about only two. So obviously the user would not know why the traceability is not there or why user is not able to create these actions on top of documents such as your customer complaint. But the reason why they are not able to do it is because they have flattened their data model significantly because they were in the QuickBooks space. And now if they are trying to scale all of these tests, it's not going to scale because your foundational data model is weak. So that's why she is struggling, but they don't have that. And they'll figure out some sort of hack there in producing that. But again, they'll miss something else, I guess. <laughs> Currently, the software only allows the creation of one or the other, but not both. However, all records between complaints, corrective actions, and non-conformance are linked through the DAISY chain scenario. As part of the DAISY chain scenario, your complaints, corrective actions, and non-conformance, they need to be linked. So somehow these guys have figured out how to link them. But when I talk about the traceability, this is the traceability that I'm talking about. Every single business document and object in a real ERP system is traceable as well as connected. That's the traceability. That traceability is going to be lost here because they don't have that supported as part of the data model. Andy, Dave, any comments? No. Okay, so now Jennifer also felt, and again, Jennifer is not probably going to be technical here, so she's saying it can be awkward when retrieving records during an audit. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> because you don't have the real traceability. Uh, well, they are some... Yeah, go ahead, Andy. I was going to say paper-based manual QMS system, so there's not really even a quality system at all. No, no, no. They are definitely quality system, Andy. I don't know oh, where you're reading that. Um, oh, it has allowed us to move from a paper exactly. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, they are very strong QMS system, no question. Oh, okay. Yeah, all kinds of ISO certification, 21 CFR Part 11 at the bottom, or 21... 21 CFR 211-210 and 820. Yeah, they are so, doing fairly serious stuff, I'm telling you. Yeah. Super serious stuff. Yeah. Perfect um, for FDA. Exactly, exactly. And medical um, device. Exactly. Um, I wish there was a compliance, which ERP system they used uh, to test on the medical device, to be honest. I would like to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so here, the calibration module was the most difficult for us to implement as it operated a mm -hmm. little differently. So that's the learning issue, I guess. 
Bexili, and again, you know, this is the simplest ERP system that you can find, to be honest. This is difficult, and this is the problem with the customer, to be honest. I don't think the, the platforms can be blamed just because they don't have as deep experience with data modeling, and obviously, they don't have budget for consulting either, and that's why there's a real gap, and that's where these solutions really fit. The ability to easily manage our document control, auditing, uh, non-conformances, corrective actions, preventive actions, uh, complaints and calibrations in one location. All of those are really part of your quality module to be on. Uh, all of these feature sets, the more linking you are going to have, it gets fairly deep the way the linking for those. So they are going to have really deep linking for each of these objects, but not for the ERP data object. Uh, paper-based manual uh, electronic system, consumption record storage, I don't have anything there. Uh, yeah, everybody's sort of buying this for the regulatory audit. Uh, otherwise, they would manage probably on paper. Um, it's helping them with the audit, and that's why they are they are buying. Um, one more review. This is coming from Aviation Aerospace. Very similar requirements, fairly serious. Um, 200 to 500 employees. Use daily. company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one plus year, but I can almost guarantee that this is probably, they used it for QMS, not really for the ERP. Mm. Um, so here, to be honest, we do not use all the modules within QT9, but the ones we do use allow us to get by and pass our QMS audits. Um, for the power user like myself that wants to extract detailed performance data, you will have to extract the data and pull it into Excel and manipulate it to get metrics you need. What you see is what you get. No customizations whatsoever. <laughs> Again, this is really an app. It's not supposed to be an ERP system, but they are selling it as the ERP system. Uh, no overdue notifications or escalations. Uh, you know, again, uh, whatever you have, that's what you get. Uh, obviously, they have very complex quality requirements. Some of these quality requirements may not be there even with the larger ERP systems. So you need to use a dedicated quality module such as your QT9, to be honest, okay? Because QT9 is supposed to be a QMS system uh, with a real ERP system. Um, maybe that could be a, a direction that you want to be. Okay, so it does. It's it can be a standalone quality system or possibly API into another ERP. Uh, that would be my understanding. I think they started as QMS and then developed okay. the yeah. The whole idea of this solution was really to be the QMS. But the way QuickBooks works, as we know, you can create whatever you want on top of QuickBooks um, <laughs> because there is no sort of financial control there. Um, that's why these guys are able to create a lot more in general. Um, so here, if you have uh, more than one process approver and one of them approves the action, the other approver cannot go back and make changes. Uh, you are logged out. I think that's the problem with the user. Uh, that is the compliance process, in my opinion. Um, I think uh, as part of the compliance processes, only one user can check out at any point of time so that they can maintain the version who has made what change. Uh, you have the complete traceability. So this is really a training issue here, uh, not really the system issue. Um, and the other approver uh, approved the risk and I could not make any changes. Uh, no customize, customizability, I think that's what uh, or he meant to say, uh, and forms, lots of tabs on the non-conforming product and corrective action forms, and you cannot get rid of those tabs you need. So even the tabs that you don't need, you cannot simply hide them. That should be a very easy process. In most ERP systems, um, you cannot even hide the tabs. Absolutely no customization, no filtering of overdue items in Pareto uh, analysis, you can filter open items, closed, rejected, submitted, and deleted, but nothing to tell you 
if an item is passed you no email notifications if an item goes past you um so a lot of problems there overall from the data traceability perspective uh this is coming from information technology and services uh unable to perform text searches okay so this is another problem that you are going to get you are not able to perform the searches because your fields are not uh indexable when you are going to dump the intelligence inside your description field <laughs> your searchability is lost you don't have traceability you don't have searchability and that's why she is not able to perform your search is going to be extremely weak and search defines how quick your operations are going to be. so your data entry is going to be slower your search is going to be slower so i don't know what benefit you are really getting from these erp systems except your audit Well, the list of functionality on the previous screens certainly implies a lot of stuff, but yeah, that's what it implies. I mean, marketing is a wonderful it, thing, isn't it? Marketing is a wonderful. You said it right. <laughs> Great QMS for a small company. Exactly. Um, so here we are looking at MinMarket, fifty-one two thousand employees. To be honest, QuickBooks is not necessarily designed for such market segment. They cannot support the transactional workload. It should not be used in that market segment. But seems like they have used it. okay and they have used it in 2022 you can only have one module open at a time unlike erp system um, you are going to have all of these issues you will not be able to explain why the reason <laughs> again data model um you know uh it can be a little frustrating if you uh, want to reference a controlled document but you have to close out of the record you are working into open doc control um, again a lot of different one to one scenarios and the traceability um so that's it guys um do you guys have any comments i have some comments which i'll open up um go ahead andy dave uh, yeah, so in anders jumping in with uh marketing likes their erps like they like their bagels with everything so exactly <laughs> tend to agree with that after uh after seeing this his next comment uh though i'm not sure if you were able to find this or not uh sam but um Well, regarding that review that was stating limited flexibility and specifically the con of not uh, of cannot customize which tabs are shown can you speak to whether this product has role based access or what the security is if you can't disable anything is there any fine grained access control um interesting comment <laughs> and depending upon what you mean by security okay and what you mean by the uh, control data access um if you, you are going to have two different ledgers your accounting is going to be completely different from your quality and operation ledger you are breaking the rules right there uh, <laughs> uh if you had just one system and you had the complete traceability end to end then it's a different case but again depending upon what architecture you want to build and how your data access is being transferred to different system and what is going to be requirement from the audit and the regulatory body perspective what they care for so again you know for the most part if you look at any of the erp systems they are going to have that fine grained access as part of the same system uh, you know for most of the finance and operations workflow but that might not work for every business uh, dave over to you whatever follow up you want yeah no uh, one of the things that kind of struck me about going through this um you know 
with the again kind of seemingly that the reviews are are talking about the quality uh the quality management module and all of that it struck me odd that the kind of initial marketing uh that first slide that we saw that initial marketing piece didn't really touch on the quality at all so when i was doing uh just a bit of, of background on it it looks like they've kind of segregated that out so they have like three different websites that they're marketing they've got their you know kind of document control business, they've got their QMS business, and then they've got, you know, this ERP platform business, um, all of them obviously having some overlap. But I did think that was interesting. You know, it, it, I think we talk about it often, but um, and it's a lesson to be applied to many businesses, even outside of ERP solutions. But, you know, know your lane, stick in your lane, grow in your lane. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see so many solutions try to be so many things to so many people. And if you're really amazing at QMS in this case, stick with it, continue to iterate on that and, and you know, answer some of what the users are, are requesting. So um, it's interesting. Uh, I'd like to see some more, you know, deep functionality on the, the QMS side of things, even though I know, uh, you know, this is an ERP focused show. So. Yeah, uh, good well, points. QMS uh, is all part of ERP. <laughs> supposed to be. Um, sorry, Andy. Uh, more comments? You know, I mentioned that I ran across this QT9. Well, it's an interesting name. Um, a month or two back, and the first time I ever came across it. But, um, you know, when I did the research, it, it came across as basically designed for a long-run make-the-stock type manufacturers, not product-type manufacturers, not custom, not change the same thing over and over again. And being and targeting life sciences then totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, Dave, more comments? Uh, no, not really. Um, like I said, that is interesting. Uh, you know, another interesting solution to see uh, the difference of how they're positioning where versus where it seems to fit. Um, it'd be it'd be great to find some more information out about, I think, to your point earlier, Sam, about you know, how companies are really utilizing this. Uh, I don't see companies that are um, heavily relying on the QMS to be integrating with QuickBooks or Sage 50. I mean, those companies don't seem to fit that model. Uh, so again, for me, this, this one kind of lands a bit in a weird place, um, you know, with the information provided. I wasn't able to find much history on this uh, solution either. I don't know if either of you were able to find much history on it, but uh, I think that might, you know, shed some light on on how it's gotten to be where it's uh, where it is today. And I'll tell you a little bit about the market landscape in terms of how other companies operate. To be honest, okay, they are always going to have a dedicated QMS, even if they have slightly superior ERP system underneath. Um, and that's how these guys must have started that. Okay, they were sitting on top of your uh, CH50 as well as QuickBooks. But even if you look at Infor. Apicore, they might have their own QMS system, but the QMS system may not be as robust or it's going to require a lot more configuration. Uh, in general, so what companies might do is they might get a slightly simpler document management system as well as the quality management system because they have to go through the audit. And or sometimes, you know, there's going to be a speed factor uh, because the investors are going to have milestones and they need to move fast and it might take forever to learn slightly more complex systems, right? So they, they'll get uh, a quality system completely siloed, document management system completely siloed. They might not worry about the, the actual ERP operations or the financial operations, and they'll try to uh, pass the audit using that 
And after that, they'll figure out the ERP if they pass the audit. Because you need to pass the audit. You need to go through FDA. You need to sell your devices. And then you are going to get money. <laughs> and then you're going to have to be certified again next year. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the whole exactly. cycle of life. I was just going to say, and then start to repeat the cycle. That's right. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's where the QMS is always slightly more standalone in general, uh, because you are probably going to run out of options, even if you're buying slightly bigger ERP systems, you, you'll probably require a specialized QMS system um, for your document documentation management needs. And again, documentation management is a def different process in that you don't have to involve the actual ERP processes. But when you look at the actual ERP operational workflow, that's where your ERP is going. Two different things in general. Okay, any other comments, guys, before I close? No? Mm. All right, guys, that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here um, next week. We are going to come back with another solution. On that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing the knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about ND Practical, head over to ESSoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments, about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.